Welcome back to The Drop, the contest edition. A massive wrap-up this week of the US Open and moving forward onto Tahiti. Before we get into that, some late mail from Chopes. Ethan Ewing and Betty Lou Sakura-Johnson have withdrawn from competition. Ethan suffered a back injury while warming up for the event, so we wish Ethan all the best and uh, speedy recovery. And fingers crossed he can be back in time for Trestles. Mathematically, he will finish either in second or third. He could only finish as low as fourth, so he's, he's obviously a lock for the final five. So it's going to be an interesting next month for Ethan to see if he can get ready for the world title showdown in San Clemente in September. In the meantime, though, we'll get into the event. We'll get some underdogs, some overdogs, get a look at the forecast, and get a couple of Mikey C's value bet picks for the event. Let's drop in. Mikey, you didn't survive the U.S. Open. Talk me through it. Oh, yeah, the U.S. Open. I only made it to Friday and before I had to, like, physically remove myself because my body was just not handling. I listened to you on the podcast last week. You sounded horrendous. What happened to you? Yeah. Too many too many bungalow parties. Yeah, well, that and a lot of not sleeping and then a lot of joyriding at the same time and then all this stab highway. It was just, it was a mix of everything. It was nonstop. It was a lot of fun. But I'm just not built for that life anymore. <laughs> a good job on Stab Highway, by the way. Uh, very, uh, very entertaining thus far. Thank you. And we should probably say it the right way. It's Stab Highway Europe presented by Monster Energy. Anyway, US Open was entertaining despite the fact that I never set foot on the actual sand or really watched many heats. But I did catch the end of the event at the very least. And there's been, I mean, the CS leaderboard is pretty wild right now. 2% is 40% of the men's top 10. That's round of applause. That's exactly what you want going into the last two events. Yeah, so Eli obviously won. This is his first major victory in a CS event. And if you look at his Instagram, it's something that he's been fighting really, really hard for and means a lot to him. Crosby also did really well. He shot up into the top 10. Cade Matson and Cole Hauschman are both holding onto their spots in the top 10. And Jet Schilling is just one spot outside in 11th. And then on the women's side, with her win, Sawyer Lindblad jumped up into the women's top five, which is their cutoff. So congrats to 2%. It's actually really, really cool to see how much Kolohe's influence is working on the kids around him, if not himself, unfortunately. But it's like what the difference between this year and any year prior, it's night and day. It is. It is. Um, I don't want to give away too much, but Kolohe was a notable absence from finals day. More on that later, Mikey. Mm, more on that later. That's true. Yeah, we got something going on. But anyway, US Open, small waves, people surfed them really well. And yeah, we only have two events left in the Challenger Series. You know, this is a Challenger Series podcast before anything else. So we will be keeping a close eye on Brazil and Portugal. But until then, um, what else, Stacy? We had the Chopo Trials this past week, and it was a fucking doozy. Oh, how good was that live feed? Just quick lesson in French and just pumping chopes. So good. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely a little lost, but at the same time, I tuned in for, I, I tuned in early, saw that the waves were good, had some things to do over the weekend. So I figured out when the final was going to be and made sure that I was back for that. And I am glad that I was because that was an incredible bit of viewing. Maybe the best chopes, like full on heat since that John John Kelly heat. Mm. 
Absolutely. I don't know about you not knowing much. Like you just spent a long time in Europe, Euro Mike. So I reckon you were. I reckon you were picking up the lingo. Well, the one thing that I picked up is that we've been saying Matahi Drolet's name wrong the entire time. It's not Matahi. It's Mate. So sorry, Matahi, and everybody else in French Polynesia for the entire surf world offending you yet again. We've we're we're still working on Teahupo. And now we got to start working on Mate. God, I still can't do it. So anyway, we got a lot to learn. But fortunately, we're heading there soon. The CT is en route. If not already there, John John posted a clip of his first wave at Chopes in five years, and it was an absolute stoinker. Uh, Leo Fioravanti was also out there packing a giant one. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like it's going to be that way for the CT event. But Stacy, what do you think? What do we got going on here? Yeah, there's plenty going on. I mean, can't really brush over that final. That was crazy. Probably one of the heats of the last 10 years, like when you think about it. Like when you think about the heat with John and Kelly, this was right up there. I mean, I think John and Kelly still got it, but this is definitely the conversation too. Two of the best at it at their local spot, just absolutely owning it. Um, if you haven't seen it, the WSL Instagram's got the two tens back to back, and uh, yeah, probably a good example of throwing a ten too early in a heat. I reckon. Oh, oh my God! It's like, and it's it actually started with the nine point six. So Matei's first wave was a nine point six, and it was a nice wave, but there was no risk in it really. And then he got his 10 next, and the 10 was amazing in the sense that he just, like, soul-arched and then just started pumping. And it was, again, a perfect wave, but ridden with a little bit more risk and a little bit more flamboyance. But then Emeo gets his wave after that, and he drops in no hands backside, does, like, three giant pumps, and is so deep on this thing. Like, it's just, it's a different level. I mean, that wave was a 12, at least an 11.5 compared to... Matei's wave and that's not to say that he shouldn't have won the event but in another sense like then you left Emeo needing a 9.6 to win the heat and he started going on these waves under Matei that were like insane basically doing the same thing that he did on the 10 and just not making it out but in reality he probably only should have needed like an 8.5 or something in which case he maybe would have surfed those waves a little differently not taken off as deep etc so it definitely changed the whole playing field the way that the judges and the scores came out mm, for sure while we're on that it's been you know nine or so years since the kelly john heat you're happy with the 10 to a 9-9 on that opening exchange for kelly and john yeah i'm still good with it okay i i don't think i am i think what john did was harder kelly existed in this like liminal space in the wave there's literally, it's like millimeters where yeah. you have to go high enough that the foam ball isn't going to hit you, but not so high that you get pitched over the top. Nobody gets into that spot. I understand all of that. I, I'm still sticking with John. I think no hands holding your like weight on your heels like that in that kind of wave is... Yeah, I guess the truth is neither of us have done either of those things. So we, we don't even know what's harder. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> I reckon... I reckon I've got pretty belted on a couple of two-foot lefts, and I think, like, I know what I would want to do more. I'd want to be hanging on to my rail for dear life, screaming mummy, than standing with no hands connected <laughs> to anything. <laughs> but no, it's um, it really is a different world. Like, what they're doing, and particularly the specialists there, like, it's, you know, it's like a... It is. It's another... They are on another planet. All those surfers out there that are good at riding that wave, they, they do exist in another place altogether. Like, Tikanui Smith got in a crazy wave as well. Um, and, like, man, hats off to him. And I'm stoked that the local guys got a day like that because 
man, they, you know, somebody had to traveling surfers. Exactly. They get a lot of traveling <laughs> surfers go there and for them to get the lineup and for, even if they just got knocked in the first heat, just have half an hour a piece out there with just, you know, <clears throat> one or two of their mates from town. That's, that's pretty cool. So yeah, well done to, to all those crew giving it a red hot crack. All right. Well, we'll get into the uh, CT events forecast shortly, but first we want to get into the implications of this event. So let's do it. All right, so first up, we have the top five on the men and women. We know that the people who finish in these positions are going to get a shot at lowers to win the world title. So on the men's side, we have three spots locked. That's Felipe, Griffin, and Ethan. Nobody can touch them. However, fourth and fifth, that's Joao and Iago, are potentially overtakeable. But it's going to take a lot of work. So... um, Joao's in fourth. I'd say he's probably safe. Iago in fifth is the one that's teetering a little bit more dangerously. And most importantly, he's got Jack, John, and Gab right behind him. They're the closest chasers. But in reality, the way that the numbers are going to play out, they're going to have to do a lot to get past not just Iago, but also get past one another. I would reckon for one of those three guys, John, Gab, and Jack, to make it into the top five, they're going to have to make the finals at least is of course very possible given their ability uh and then the outside shots are leo fioravanti ryan callanan and connor o'leary they basically need a series of miracles to occur then on the women's side four spots are locked that is carissa tyler caroline and molly the last spot katie simmers she is holding on for dear life against steph gilmore and lakey peterson Um, she's got a little bit of gap, so she basically just needs to not totally screw up and she should be fine to hold on. But of course things happen. So Stacey, how are you feeling? Are we going to see any shakeups here? You think that people are going to hold on as is? I think people are going to hold on as is. I think I said it in the last podcast, like Yago is good enough in Tahiti to inflict enough damage to his total that would put a fair bit of pressure on the chasing pack. Um, as good as the chasing pack is, though, like that's it doesn't get any harder than that. So he will need to, you know, chalk up some points on the board just to create a bit more of a buffer there. But I think I think he's got it in him. Like he's got. You can probably correct me here, but I think he's got a heat on Gabby, and then a couple of heats on the rest of them. So I think he can do it. All right. So I think Stace is probably right. Although I mean, if Gabby wins. Gabby gets in, and Gabby's track record at Chopes is unbelievable. He's basically only got first, second, and third in the past, like, six times he surfed it. So there's that. And then on the other side of things, the top five is one thing. The other side is the Olympics, which has huge implications for these surfers' careers. Won't affect us this year, but obviously it means who we'll get to see in the Tahiti event in 2024. It is pretty interesting and cool, I think, that a an event at Chopu is going to decide who gets to surf at Chopu in a sense. So right now on the men's side, it's a little bit different. So we know Felipe is locked in because he's going to be the highest rated Brazilian and therefore he is guaranteed a spot. However, the second Brazilian spot on the men's side is going to be between Joao, Iago, and Gabi. Even if um, you know, three of these guys finish in the top five or whatever. It's whoever gets that next spot behind Felipe or in front of Felipe if they happen to beat him in the world title surf off. But they're basically fighting to get in the top five so that they, they can then compete at lowers to decide who gets the second spot in the 2024 Olympics. 
On the U.S. side, Griffin and John, as far as I can understand, they're both locked in. Uh, I was looking at the the charts today and the math, and I don't think anybody can catch John. Certainly, uh, two people can't catch Griffin. Then for Australia, Ethan Ewing is a lock for the Olympics, and he's got a chasing pack for the second spot of Jack, Ryan, and Connor. So basically, whoever finishes highest uh, between the three of those guys is going to get the second spot for Australia. Then we have Leo with a spot for Italy, Kanoa with Japan, Jordy for South Africa, and the last spot will come down to either Rio Wida or Matt McGillivray. So those two are really duking it out. They're obviously not uh, at the top of the, the leaderboard as far as the CT goes this year, but whoever does better in this event and ends up higher on the leaderboard, they're going to get a spot into Tokyo, which I'm sure is a very, very big incentive for them. Yeah, it, it, it's a massive one. I mean, we look at what it did for Rio's career uh, at the Tokyo Olympics and for him to get a spot into the Paris Olympics. Like, he was the flag bearer for Indonesia. Like, that is seriously cool. All right, so the men get 10 spots into the Olympics from the CT. The women only get eight, and it kind of just makes sense the way that the numbers played out. Because, for example, even Teresa Bonvolo, who only served three events as a wild card this year, she's getting in a, a spot in the Olympics because there just aren't very many nations represented on the women's CT. So right now, locked for the Olympics, we have Teresa Bonvolo, Brisa Hennessy for Costa Rica, Joanne DeFay for France, Tatiana Weston-Webb for Brazil, Carissa Moore for the USA, and Tyler Wright for Australia. The only two spots that are up for grabs right now are the second U.S. spot and the second Australian spot. So the U.S. is going to be between Caroline, Katie, and Lakey, and Australia is going to be between Molly and Steph. So, yeah, we're going to be keeping an eye on that as well. It's so huge, the Olympics, for people's opportunities in that, you know, that prior season. Like, I can tell you right now, management groups are going to be watching this event very closely. Um, the, the non-endemic support in Australia for for surfers and, and what they're hedging their bets on, particularly, you know, a surfer like Molly Picklam, who is the next best thing to come out of Australia behind, you know, Tyler and Steph and has proven herself to be a championship tour-winning athlete. She can get herself a spot at the Olympics, you know, that's where your board starts to really fill up with some stickers you've never seen before. Anyway, let's get into the forecast. Right, Mikey, it's an interesting one. I think day one is actually looking kind of okay. What, what are you seeing? Yeah, I mean, does like Dave Prodan have you in a headlock right now or what's going on? No, Winguru does. Uh, uh, Winguru's been pretty good to me. Um, <laughs> I, think that, I think there's going to be waves on day one. Like the direction's good. The, the period's good. Um, w- what's your source, Mahi? Well, I'm looking at Surfline, as we Americans tend to do, and it looks like, yeah, there's a bit of long period energy for sure, but the swell height's just so low. And, I mean, I think there are going to be a few good waves, sure, but I don't think it's going to be, like, good by any means. And I also, it's like, dude, it's the it's the first day of the event, which, like, just doesn't really matter. Nobody's losing. Yeah, you can have some, like, heats that are, fun to watch I suppose and certainly fun to bet on but as far as a whole event goes I mean this forecast looks absolutely horrible oh it looks horrible the reason why I'm excited about day one again I'm like happy to be wrong it's certainly not a genuine like two or three day ground swell it, it's like a day long bump in the period so it, it, that could just disappear by the time the event even starts um, so I certainly don't have huge confidence uh, for it but 
the, the one thing I do like about day one is the direction. It's south-southwest, which Chopu tends to like it more out of the west rather than, than the east. And the rest of the event is south-southeast. Like, it's going to be Chopu Point. It's going to be dog shit. It's crazy. I cannot believe the run of non-waves the tour's had this year. It's, it's like... It just... I, I feel... I do feel bad for the surfers. Like, they really haven't got the year that we were chasing. And for the WSL. Like, obviously, it's not their fault. Like, it was, you know, again, it was pumping for the trials a week ago. It's obviously in, like, swell season for Tahiti. So it's not as if they've done anything wrong with, like, when they have their windows. They've just gotten unlucky this year. But that being said, it's fucking hilarious. Like, every event, I'm like, okay, surely this event we're going to get waves, you know? And granted, yeah, J-Bay, we had a good day of waves, no doubt. But... When you look at the the season as a whole, it's hard to conjure a, a worse season in history of just waves at every one of these events. And yeah, it's unfortunate, but it's also pretty funny. Um, and hopefully it just means that next year's going to fire. They do say heat on, heat off, maybe year on, year off. But <laughs> gee whiz, that's, um, man, like talking about J-Bay, J-Bay was cooking after the comp. Like Kelly stayed, he's still there. He's still in Africa. Like J-Bay was firing. Namibia is firing. J Bay's gonna be firing again next week. Like there's just been it's just cruel. It is. Yeah, we got one day of waves at J Bay, but like it's been firing for like six days straight this last week. <laughs> oh man. Well, hopefully too lowers gets waves because last year was pretty brutal to determine a world title out there. Um can't can't be worse than last year, surely. Yeah, I don't know. It's been pretty small in California, man. So hopefully something turns around by September. But anyway, the point is, Chopes is going to be small. People are probably going to win doing turns, which is crazy to say. But um, it's actually, you know, on face value, Chopes is actually a better turn wave than a lot of the, like, performance waves we have on tour. Oh, you just never sure. think of it like that, and you never want to, like, have it like that. But as far as, like, a rippable, steep, punchy left is concerned, like, <laughs> it's actually not the worst thing. It's sort of like G-Land, you know, like, when you're there and you crying looking at the waves thinking how bad it is if you just you know remove yourself from the situation and think of oh, if this was just out the front you, you're obviously tripping and chopes is the, the absolute top of that pile it's like a wedgy bending three turn left it's so, it's so fun to surf at that size it's just obviously not what we go there for um no and it will also probably change our picks going into this event so should we get into some overdogs yeah love to woof woof Ooh, this is a tough one. Um, Overdogs, yeah. I mentioned G Land. Jackie Rob got scrappy and did some turns to win there. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna pick him here. Oh, all right, all right. So Jack's obviously he's had a tough run through the middle of the season, but he had a bit of a comeback in J Bay. We talked about how that uh, paddle battle seemed to juice him up a bit, and um, I think it'd be pretty cool to see him come back after starting the year so strong, having that middle section plagued by injuries and and other things, and then come back and like really reestablish himself and maybe slip into the top five for a chance to title. I think that would be really cool. But I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, my overdog is going to be Gabriel Medina. His record out there speaks for itself. He can perform out there no matter what the conditions. And he has not had a great year by his own standards. But I think he's just too much of a beast to not make it into the top five somehow. So uh, I think he's going to go all the way, take this thing out. Mm. No, you're right. He's a machine. And, uh, you know, I, I think Yago will hang on. But I'm, I'm picking Jack for a bit of fun. And I think Jack's story... Is a, is a credit to the top five and how it's set up. 
Like, if Jack Robbo snuck into the top five and then won a world title this year, you, I would say it's deserving. Would, would you? Yeah, because of how he started, of course. And then the fact that he had that bad period was not really his sure. fault. You know what I mean? He had multiple injuries, mm. among other things. So, totally. yeah, I would say that it's deserving. So I think in that sense, it's kind of cool. Like, you can have a season like that and then maybe do a Steph and pull it off. Whereas in a regular season, you know, if you went into went into pipeline six or seven, like where he is now, I think he might even be eighth. Like, it just, yeah, I don't, you know, I think the last person to do that was Derek Ho. So it's not, you know, it's not something that, yeah, where, where he is now is like, he's still a chance for sure, which is, which is, I think, you know, if, if there's one good thing to say about the system, it's, it's this. All right. What about your women? Women's favorites. This is tricky because I think it's going to be, you know, easy to get scores going on the backside when it's at that size because I don't necessarily think it's going to be like running little tubes either like tucking into a small backhand barrel is pretty hard but I think it's just going to be turns so with that being said Lakey's got a pretty killer backhand uh, I'm going to go Lakey whoa back to back yeah I don't really think of it like that you got to think of it like a roulette wheel Mikey it's uh every time it's a new spin you know yeah but you also got to think is she going to take out Katie Katie could be my underdog she very well could. Okay. Maybe I've got my picks the wrong way around. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm going I don't know. with... I still struggle to call Katie Simmons a favorite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's going to change soon um, when she wins her world title this yeah. year. Anyway, I Definitely. am going with Caroline Marks for my overdog. She's had a good season. She can surf junky waves. She can surf forehand really well. I think that this wave having a bit of punch is going to be good for her. She can really push back against it. She's got a really like kind of tight forehand surfing style where she can really jam those small powerful pockets that chopes is going to deliver so i think she's going to step it up and i think she's going to cement herself going into final step i was hoping to see a bit more out of caroline at sakurama this year going left so maybe maybe this is where she really brings that aggressive front side to the table mikey um like we think it's going to be a lot of hi-fi surfing so this will be, this will be a good chance for her all right underdog yeah, I probably got my picks the wrong way around here according to the ratings. But yeah, I, I definitely think that, you know, getting vertical on the lip out there and doing some backhand snaps is, is definitely going to be a bit more favoring to the judges than maybe the goofy footers who are kind of have to go a bit more, you know, out and around on the sections. Uh, so I think, yeah, Katie Simmers is going to be very hard to beat. Um, call her an underdog, call her a favorite, call her whatever you want. She's extremely talented and incredibly exciting to watch. So I think at that size, doing doing backhand belts is going to be pretty fun for her. And I think, I think she's going to do well with, like, the whole situation that she's in. She just seems so young and carefree that I don't think it'll it'll get the better of her. I love that call. And I also think that Katie is, as, as we've seen this year, she's fearless hitting end sections. And even at Chopes where it's super shallow, I think that she just has that like go for it mentality that if you need a score at the end of the heat, sometimes you're going to have to hit a dry reef section. And I think she will. And I think she'll stomp it. So good call. I'm going to go with uh, also a former G-Land winner. You, went, you mentioned Jack before. I'm going to go with Joanne DeFay. She Her backhand to me, growing up in Reunion, it's just it's really strong. She's used to surfing over reef and having to look down at the reef when you're doing backside bottom turns is like a pretty spooky thing if you're not used to it. And I think she's used to it. I think her backhand's really strong. She drives really hard off the bottom. And I think that, yeah, a couple good turns from her is going to drop sevens and eights. And that's what you're going to need to get throughout here. So, Joanne. I like it. Yeah, she was definitely definitely my thoughts her, her records over you know left hand reef passes are astonishing like 
she pretty much wins everything in a left-hand reef break, so this would be a good chance for her to keep that record alive. Mikey, what about our men's underdog? I am going, okay, this is this is a bit of a tricky one, but I'm going to go Leo. Leo's had such like a sneaky, consistent year. He obviously started the year with a second, but after that, like I just, and I think he adapts so well to difficult conditions and he's just like a true competitor. And I know he had that little slip up against Jack in the paddle battle, but I think he's going to come back here with a vengeance. And I don't know, I could see some weird things happening and him going all the way. Yeah, I like it. He's like, they're all competitive, but he's pretty outwardly competitive. And I think that like, he knows the situation he's in. And I think that the story and the buildup that he would have going on in his head would be enough to like, fight World War Three on its own. So I think that'll be enough to get him pretty fired up and, and get get some heats under his belt there because it's going to be it's going to be competitive this week I don't, I don't think it's necessarily going to be firing like we've said all podcasts so i think it's going to suit him i think it's a really good call i'm going to pick someone in a similar kind of position Dif- different character though but uh i think they're going to suit the wave pretty well i think on the front side they're one of the only surfers that like truly puts together like these massive combos of like power and and risk and that's uh, Ryan Callanan. I think I think he could be pretty lethal out there at that size. Like he he has this wrapping carve that is you know fucking unbelievable. Um, and I I just think from the goofies we just don't see a whole lot of the turn that Ryan does uh, as far as like you know having power and risk in in the turn. I think we're very used to seeing most of the goofies kind of just pump towards an end section and race maybe barring Yago and Conor O'Leary. But I think Ryan's got power and a bit more... He's kind of got the best of both worlds there. He's got the power and the risk. So, yeah, I think he's going to go pretty good. I like that pick as well. We've seen him do really well in, like, French beach breaks and stuff, and I think this is not going to look too dissimilar from that. So It is a French it is a French territory, <laughs> but it's not a beach break. But, oh, my God, I hope it doesn't look like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Gamble Ramble? All right, Mikey. Uh, was it last event you got absolutely sent for six? Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. I love this. You're kind of like Leo right now. You kind of have got your back against the wall and you need to come out swinging. It's true. Wow, I didn't even think of it like that. Yeah, you're right. Okay, well, in that sense, um, you know, we got to do our value picks. So in round one, I'm going Leo Fioravanti over Jack Robinson and Liam O'Brien. I like it. What's the What's the number on it? Well, the numbers aren't out just yet. They will be soon on betonline.ag, supporter of the podcast. However, regardless of what the numbers are, you know, Leo's technically the number two seed going into that heat. Uh, Jack obviously won, Liam three. But I think that BetOnline and I think most betting sites are going to put the odds on people who are known for tube riding. So I imagine Jack's going to be really low odds. You know what I mean? Maybe Liam will be on the higher side. Leo will probably be in the middle. But I just think that in a in a heat where... Maybe there'll be a few good waves, um, but probably not many. I think Jack's probably going to wait out the back for the one. And maybe he gets it, but maybe he doesn't get the backup that he needs. And I think that Leo's just going to pound away at it, and he's going to figure out a way to take it out. I love it. I love it. And what about your overalls? Overalls I haven't picked yet either. I guess. Do do you just follow follow your podcast to the T? What do you mean? As in your picks you've just given me, you'll follow them up with like $100 bets. Oh, I'll... I'll put big bets on the people that are like the overdogs and then I'll put smaller bets on the underdogs basically. Uh-huh. 
Uh, go on, go on, do share. <laughs> well, I haven't made any official picks yet because last I saw the odds weren't up. But Bet Online, they usually get them up about 48 hours before the comp run, so that'll be soon. Uh-huh. Um, and yes. then, anyway, for the value pick on the women's side, I'm also going to go with my underdog from the event, Joanne DeFay over Steph Gilmore and Tyler Wright. I actually think she is maybe the favorite going into that heat. For sure, without, without a doubt, if it's that size and those conditions. Um, I mean, a track record speaks for itself, so. Yeah, I think the betting agencies are kind of onto that kind of thing too. So I don't know what kind of value you'll get on her. So I'm interested to see. Yeah, we'll see. But anyway, those are the value picks for this year's Shiseido Pro Tahiti. Um, Stacey, anything else before we go? Yes, I would like to shout out, I think it's called Assorted Surf Picks on Instagram. Um, They're following our picks extremely closely now. So we can no longer, I guess, cheat and lie to each other and say that we picked someone else the week before, which I've never done that, but I know you have. Uh, and I hope that we, you know, stack up against our fellow podcast colleagues uh, and uh, take the win there, Mikey. All right. Thanks, Stacey. Well, event starts soon, so uh, I guess we'll be chatting next week or so. Thank you very much for your time, Mikey C. Got absolutely smashed out of the park in J-Bay. I wish you all the best for this event in Tahiti going to be a pretty exciting event some pretty good surfers looking to chase down that top five in the both men and the women so we're excited to see how things roll out we'll be back in a week or so's time for an event wrap up and before you know it we will be heading off to lower trestles to crown our champions for the 2023 season have a good week thanks for listening